Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Mohammed Rajani, responsible for VR and AR initiatives at Macy's. Mohammed is part of the new business development and innovation team at Macy's and is responsible for driving change through the development of new retail concepts and partnerships amidst an evolving retail landscape. Mo also leads Macy's immersive technology initiatives, including VR and AR in furniture, which is removing key friction points for the customer, enabling an AR view in-room capabilities on the Macy's mobile app. To learn more about the work he's doing, you can visit macy's.com. Mohammed, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having we me. We had Alan. the opportunity to, to, to have a few calls prior to Augmented World Expo. Uh, we were on a panel together and you were talking about the amazing work that you're doing at Macy's. So let's start unpacking that. Mo, tell us about what you guys are doing at Macy's. Uh, so just a little bit of context that our team does, you know, our team's about two and a half years old. I've been with the company for over eight years across a variety of different functions. But about two and a half years ago, as a, as a company, we decided to establish a dedicated team that's purely focused on uh, what's new, what's next. That's focused on the emerging consumer landscape, the emerging technology landscape, and um, making sure that the Macy's brand continues to be relevant, not only today, but 10, 20, 30 years from now. Uh, so as a team, we're purely focused on looking at uh, new business models, new concepts, emerging technologies, but then really tying those to our strategic businesses. We want to make sure that any new innovation that we bring into the organization has a lasting impact, but more importantly, a meaningful impact and is actually moving the needle. So if we think about from that context of how we ended up playing in virtual reality and augmented reality in our business, really, we have strategic business pillars and furniture is uh, one of them. It is a business that is high touch, a high margin business. So it's margin accretive and more profitable to the company. And it's a destination business for us. We're top of mind for the customer uh, when they're thinking about furniture. Uh, and if you've had any experience in buying furniture, it is not a, a, a very easy process. Uh, it's one of the few businesses that uh, still overwhelmingly physical you know, purchases. Uh, more business happens in store than online and by, by a higher margin. And part of it is just the friction involved in it. You don't know how it's going to look, how it's going to fit. Um, and it's a business that we as a company need to fortify. It's a business that if we want to remain relevant for the next five, 20 years, uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're not only fortifying the business, but growing and capturing market share. So it was that context where as we came across emerging technologies as part of our job, we were, we were navigating the landscape and looking at what's coming out. This was 2016 into 2017. Uh, we started seeing you know, virtual reality technologies, especially in the furniture space. And we started exploring and we wanted to make sure that uh, there was a practical application. Uh, to a business, there were a couple of things that aligned. One was uh, here was a technology that had a practical application and here was a business that was a strategic priority for the company. Uh, so our job was then to go out and figure out how to integrate the two. Uh, and so we did that first by launching a pilot in uh, two stores in August of 2017 with a company called Markslint. 
And, you know, really the goal was to understand uh, how this technology can apply to our, to our business, but with two ultimate objectives. One was to drive employee adoption, so our Macy's colleagues, and making sure they're adopting uh, the technology. And two was consumer adoption on the other end of it, making sure that our consumers uh, are adopting an, an innovative but emerging technology. And we felt if we tackled these two goals, everything when else would come together. you talk about employee together. engagement uh, or adoption, uh, that is one of the most important things when you bring a new technology into a company. Uh, if people don't use it, then it's kind of useless. And you know, I've heard some stories where a company will buy VR headsets and they just sit on the shelf. So, how did you get your employees to use this? Like, what were what were some of the the techniques that you did, and and what is the adoption rate now? The the ultimate goal. You're right. In the past, uh, we may have been guilty, just like a lot of other retailers, in in bringing a technology either without a clear practical application, or the execution is lacking for some of these basic parameters. So for us, it was critical that we had a comprehensive training program. We worked with our marks and partners to really build a robust end-to-end training program that clearly outlined and communicated the benefits of the technology, the practical application of it, and what it means for our colleagues. If you're in the furniture business, your ultimate goal is to drive sales. That's how you're evaluated. That's how you're commissioned. So it's really to drive uh, sales. And the idea for us was that if we were able to jump the hurdle and get our colleagues to adopt to this new technology, we knew that the upside was higher basket sizes and lower returns. So the ultimate goal for us is to communicate with the colleagues to say, if here's a technology that can not only help you drive higher meaningful paychecks or uh, higher meaningful basket sizes, but also reduce returns, which If you're in the furniture business, you know the percentage of returns is not very high, but the cost of maintaining and managing those returns is significant and is very burdensome as well. It was clearly outlining the benefits of the technology and the fact that we piloted in two stores and saw the results for ourselves. That allowed us to then take it to the balance of the organization uh, and tell them, here are the benefits. We've, We've done this before. This is what it looked like, and that allowed us to drive really uh, employee adoption. And that's critical because the consumer adoption cannot come if our colleagues don't adopt the technology. So if we're able to cross one hurdle, the other one becomes a lot easier too. Let's talk numbers. You've seen some incredible uptake with this technology. You started with two stores. Talk to us about what you saw or what your original findings were in those two stores, because they're almost unbelievable. The the first two stores eventually allowed us to make a decision that typically retailers of our size did not make to scale something very, very quickly. Uh, So in the first two stores, we launched in August of 2017 in Paramus, New Jersey, and in Miami, Dateland. And we added our third location, our flagship location, Herald Square, uh, a few months after that. Uh, But what we saw was staggering. In the initial pilot, we saw our basket sizes increase by 60%. That's six zero. Hold on. What? Yeah. Sorry, the basket size. Now, what, what does basket size mean? The dollars for transaction, right? So that includes number of items in the basket and the average unit retail of each uh, product. Uh, so the combination of that, obviously, is the basket size. And we saw the average dollar per transaction increase 60% for every sale that went through VR. Now, because I don't believe you, (laughs) well, that's exactly what everyone else said, but they had to see it for themselves. And when you go through the experience, you realize it is not anecdotal information. Like when you when you go through the experience, you realize that, yes, I can see how this would increase basket size because I'm more confident 
in my purchase. So I'm less likely to return. Uh, but more importantly, I have now more confidence in how this is going to look. So you're seeing more expensive items being purchased because you're more confident in your purchase. Can you walk us through the experience? Well, the, the experience starts way before you put on the headset, right? You walk into a furniture gallery, you're met by our colleagues, our seasoned trained colleagues who know the furniture business in and out. They're probably one of the best in the industry. And when you walk into the stores, you'll typically engage with a Macy's colleague who will walk you through our assortment, will tell you how it's merchandised and, and really ask questions around what you're looking for. And typically as someone who's coming in to browse or, or exploring furniture, you have a sense of idea of what you're looking for. And you're tying that to now what either you're trying to add extra pieces to your living space or you're totally furnishing a new, uh, new space. Um, you have a sense of what you're looking for, but you really need someone to guide you through what the best uh, options are. Um, around that same process, and they're, they're typically used to identifying that hesitation around fit. I'm not sure how this is going to look in my space. I don't know exactly how big my living space is or what that relation to the furniture space is. And that's where the colleagues now try to solve that problem for our customers. So they'll bring them to our VR design experience in the store and through a 3D design application on an iPad, they'll be able to design. So you will provide your general dimensions of your living space. They'll put input it into the iPad application and design it with Macy's 3D content. So we've rendered, uh, when we started, we'd rendered about a small section of our furniture assortment in 3D. Our library now is 10 times bigger than what it was when we first started two years ago. You're able to design in the 3D application and then you put on the, the headset and that's where the magic happens. With the right dimensions, the exact sizing, you're able to move things around, you're able to add new things, uh, edit things if they don't look right, you're able to move in closer, look at the texture of the furniture and really brings the experience to life. Can you add windows like when, when you're designing? You can add windows, tele fireplaces, you can add plants to the experience. You can really mimic your living space. Can you change the wall colors and stuff? You can change the wall colors, floors, you can add wooden floors, you can change different kinds of colors. Uh, everything that you can imagine in a design application, you can do it here. And the best part is you can visualize it and do it on the fly. And really when you go through the experience, that's when you can really start understanding the numbers and saying, okay, these numbers are real uh, because this experience is so much better and I have a much better idea of how this is gonna look, how this is going to fit. So I'm more confident in my purchases. One of the metrics that I found almost more impressive than your basket size increase of 60% was the return rates. What is a typical return rate before VR? So typically furniture is in a mid single digit returns, right? Anywhere between five to 10% uh, in returns, just generally in the industry average. And what we were seeing through the pilot and that's held through as we scaled as well, is about a 25% reduction in returns. When you take that number and put it at the scale that we have, that's a monumental impact on the returns line for the company and eventually to the bottom line. So 60% increase in sales and 25% reduction in returns. These are not immaterial. They're not. They're three stores, but not immaterial. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is now, okay, so now you've, you've presented this in two stores, you got some data, you go to your executives and say, hey guys, we, we have something here. What was the response met like and, and how did how did it go from two stores to 100 stores? Was this like a, a long-term rollout? How did this work? 
if, if you asked me this maybe three years ago, maybe that would be the trajectory. We would do it in three stores and say, hey, this worked, let's take it to five stores, let's take it to 10 more stores. Uh, well, we met with the reaction from our executives and they'd seen this, right? So our, our CEO was on the ground in stores, uh, our leadership had been in stores and they'd seen this in real time and seen how it, it was working. They'd seen the feedback from uh, our colleagues in store, from the leadership in store, uh, that this was a game changer. It was a differentiator against our our competitors we were the only retailer that had this in vr form inside our stores and it could be a differentiating factor for us and a big competitive advantage in the business so the feedback from the leadership was how can we go faster and how can we go bigger and then it was up to my team to start building the plan to roll out and we we went back a week or two later with our plan to roll it out to 50 stores initially actually and that was tying to our strategic priority at the time of our growth 50 initiative which was fortifying our 50 top stores across the country with new investments. So we went with the plan to take 50 more stores and add VR to it. Uh, the response we got was, no, we meant bigger. How do we go bigger? Uh, and that was 100 stores, which at the time was 100 that ended up being 110 stores. So uh, within a space of uh, actually six months, we added 100 new stores. So by the end of January of 2019, we were in 110 stores. Wow. Okay. So there's one other thing that I think, you know, I mean, it would be an incredible addition to any retail location to get an in increase of 60% and a decrease of 25% returns. But let's talk about the cost that Macy's spends to bring a furniture store into a typical Macy's. Like, the cost savings alone of bringing this in versus a traditional furniture store. That's the beauty of the technology, right? There's multiple formats, models that we can really try out. And, and, and so the, the format that we've gone with today is to augment the furniture buying experience in our furniture galleries, right? In our furniture stores. And we've got about 250 plus of those stores and we're in about half of them. And the hope is to expand that to all of them. But what the technology now allows us to figure out is there are markets where where there is demand for furniture, there is demand for maces to play in, but it's cost prohibitive. The ROI isn't there in context of what it costs to build a furniture store there. And that's where we think this technology could play a critical role in us taking furniture across the nation. We're in markets where we cannot justify a fully fledged investment in building a furniture gallery. Can VR play that virtual furniture gallery with an endless island? The key there is that if we can expand our 3D content and we're on the path to doing that, it's still a cost prohibitive process in driving 3D content, but we've come a long way to where we were two and a half years ago, where the cost continues to go downward. But the idea is that if we've been able to build a 3D library uh, that allows us to now take furniture to stores where you don't have to invest in the inventory in that space. We don't have to make a 50,000 square foot or even a 10,000 square foot furniture store. What is the footprint of the VR area? The VR space today is the largest we have is about 500 square feet, but that's in our flagship stores. You can do it in up to 100, 150 square feet. So that's an, a typical furniture gallery for us is 50,000 square feet. A furniture store inside a Macy's is about 10 to 20,000 square feet. So 60% increase in sales, 25% reduction in returns, and a hundred times decrease in the space required. 
which in retail is dollars. Exactly. Right. And so the, the goal becomes, remember, the 60% increase is on any transactions that's going through VR, right? Some of that is a function or result of how much your 3D content library is or how big your library is. Uh, today, that's a small percentage of our library, but the goal is to continue to expand that. And as I said, you know, we're increasing in multiples, right? We're about 10x where we were two years ago. And the idea is to continue to expand that, uh, that library because we know the upside is higher basket sizes, lower returns and smaller footprints. <laughs> like, let me ask you a personal question. If you were any other company in the world, why are you not doing this? That's a good question. And if I wasn't in, in the role that I am, I probably wouldn't know that either. I think the, the, at, at the heart of it is you, you need a champion, right? You need an internal champion. You need someone who's one exposed to the, to the technology, but you also need someone at the leadership level to say, okay, I've seen enough in this. This is big. This is a differentiating factor. And the companies that get it, by the way, are doing this, right? The beauty about the Macy's business is that we have, we're not a pure play retailer, right? We've got a, a massive store footprint and we've got some of the best real estate across the country. And then you've got a massive digital footprint. So we're able to leverage this technology across both channels, online and in store. I think when you talk about investments and when you talk about ROI, sometimes that's where the hurdle becomes, where you don't have enough use cases to leverage the technology. Where the beauty for us is our singular investment in 3D content goes across our mobile app, goes to our digital properties, goes to our store. So we're able to spread the investment as well and, and move faster. So I think if, if businesses really hunkered down and looked at the practical application of this technology, and it's not right for everyone, it's not even for us, not all categories have the same practical application, right? So we're still thinking about today, how do we take this technology and where else can we use it? Furniture is an important part of a business, our business, but it's a smaller part of our business. Clothing, for example, it would be great to see your own avatar with clothing on, but the technology just isn't really there yet. It's not there yet, exactly. And that would be the holy grail for us, right? That's the bread and butter of our business, apparel. If we figure this out, will you sign a contract with us? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you, I mean, you, you've piqued my interest. Trust me, I, I spent a lot of time looking at what other technology companies are doing in the non-furniture categories. In fact, we've made some investments this year uh, in starting to build our 3D content library in non-furniture as well. So we're doing it uh, across apparel, across uh, accessories, footwear, uh, in a small scale, but really trying to understand where else can we leverage this technology. Having spent the last two and a half, three years in this space, I truly believe the consumer of the future is going to interact in 3D. We're one of the earlier movers and we're trying to set the foundation. But if businesses are not making those investments today, they're going to be left behind five years from now. Yeah, absolutely. Macy's as a brand, as you, in spite of everything that you hear from a reporting in the media, the department stores are dead. The reality is that Macy's has always been one of the pioneers. If, if We launched our e-commerce business in 1998, right? Way before any of the other retailers had even started. And that's a core reason why today we're one of the largest internet retailers in the country, 
And so it's it's always been a leadership that has been excited about change and being investing and in, in having the courage to invest in change. Uh, and that's what we're seeing here as well. A leadership that we've got their, uh, their support to really explore how do we evolve our, our e-commerce business, evolve our stores business and invest in emerging technologies that really have a practical application to our strategic priorities. Yeah, it's, it's true. And being able to take the knowledge and experience that you guys have gained. And, and thank you, first of all, thank you for joining uh, this conversation because I think people listening, especially those of, of you listening in retail, I mean, this punctuates the value that virtual and augmented reality brings. Talk about your, your AR component because I know you've built these furniture visualizers in VR so you can go into a store, but I think equally as important is something like what uh, you guys are doing in AR, being able to, to see these same 3D models. You don't have to create anything new, just the same 3D model. Maybe you've decimated a bit or, or make it smaller for the AR to use on a mobile phone, but you can now see that couch or that hutch or whatever in your own house. Absolutely. And, and that's the beauty of this. You know, I was talking about diversifying the ROI, right? And that's where, you know, an investment in 3D content allows you multiple use cases. Today, we're we're absolutely scaled in VR in store. But since last year, we initially started as a test in piloting the augmented reality component in our furniture business on our mobile app. Now, mobile is a, is a core part of our strategic priority. It's our flagship location, right? Our best customers are omni-channel customers. They shop on our mobile app. They shop on our mobile properties, they shop on our website, they shop in our stores. Uh, and really the goal for us is to continue to drive the mobile app experience. We've got one of the highest rated retail apps in the app store. Last year, we grew our mobile business by about 50%. We did nearly a billion dollars through our mobile app last year across Macy's and Bloomingdale's. So you can see it's a top priority for the company. And the goal is to continue to grow that. The way you grow that is when you pack value inside the mobile application, you drive different experiences. And that's where we've made sure that um, we're able to extend the AR experience into the mobile app. So we, we tested it last year. We launched it this year uh, across Android and iOS. So all our app users are able to do that. But, and really the experience is if you're on uh, the furniture product page, you're able to click a button that says view in my room and you're able to, it, it will use your camera to superimpose the 3D content in your actual living space. And uh, the beauty is you're able to change colors and try different things. What, what I'm excited about is what the, where that technology heads today. It's a single scene experience. You can put one product and, and view that in your room. We're not far away from doing a multi-scene environment where you'll be able to bring in multiple products and look at how that, uh, and I think that's going to change. I think if you think about the, the beauty of VR, where I like it is it's a location-based experience. I have 600 locations across the country in and about 250 to 300 furniture locations. So I'm able to drive consumers to our store through VR. But really the scale is in AR when the consumer through their smartphones will be able to interact with the technology. Uh, so that gets us excited. We're seeing some really good early results that I'm not able to share yet. We haven't made them public yet, uh, but they're really meaningful results in terms of driving conversion when a consumer interacts with AR in our furniture business. So I'm excited about where that's going to go. It's There's so many opportunities here. Now, something that comes up on almost every one of these podcasts is training. Are you guys uh, using this technology 
in, in that capacity as well? So we're not, not yet, I would say. I think it's one of the uh, core opportunities for us, especially as a retailer with a lot of stores and a lot of retail we're a 130,000 strong organization. So clearly there's a lot of requirements for training. And uh, it's something that we've started exploring. We've had some conversations and it's something that we're deeply looking into it. I, I, I think there's, if I look at the three core uses for immersive technology in general, clearly the need for a practical application to specific business is one of them. Training is the second one where I really think it can add value and meaningfully drive costs, but also increase engagement. Uh, and as a result, retention of the training material. Uh, and then the third piece is obviously as a branding and entertainment uh, avenue. And as you know, Macy's is a powerhouse in that sense. We run some of the most sought after events uh, the, from the fi July 4th fireworks to the th annual Thanksgiving Day Parade to the flower show. So there's a lot of opportunity for us to leverage immersive technology in these core three streams. I have one for you. So on the 4th of July, I posted a couple of AR apps that you could do AR fireworks and all of them were meh. So let's make the Macy's 4th of July fireworks AR app. I mean, all, all years. I, I think the idea is you want to make sure the experience is authentic, right? You want to make sure, and, and, and one, the experience is authentic and you really get immersed into it. So I, I'm not sure if the fireworks and AR is the right, it's something that we, we want to explore. We want to look into it, uh, but we want to make sure that the experience that someone who's live in that space is you know, experiencing, you're able to replicate that in an immersive technology setting. So we're, we're going to look at that space closely. We are, we've spend some time with our leadership in that space to to talk about it and i'm excited about what could come down the line there's there's so many great things that you guys are doing and i think one thing that's really interesting about uh, the work that you're doing and, and macy's in general is that you got bit by the vr bug you found an early use case that showed real roi and now you realize, wow, if it shows this kind of ROI in one section of our company, what else can it do? And, and that's the key, finding a practical application, right? Because that that's the catalyst. If you're able to find a practical application, when I mentioned earlier about core goals around driving employee and, and consumer adoption, because there was a practical application, our job got a little bit easier in driving the employee adoption and the consumer adoption. But then, as you just alluded to, it's exactly that. Like, as soon as if, if it worked here, where else can it work? Where else can I take it? And, and that's been the mentality uh, on our team. That's been the mentality with our leadership to say, okay, this, this was great. Now figure out how do we uh, spread it to other parts of the company. Absolutely. What advice would you give uh, a new, like a company that's new into VR? Like what, what would the first steps be for somebody that is looking to invest in this technology? Technology for technology's sake is not going to work, right? So there is always that shiny object that's out there. But I think really focus on what you're trying to solve. Identify a problem that you're trying to solve and figure out a practical application. That's exactly the approach that we had used. We had a business that was a strategically important business to us. It was full of friction in the consumer buying process. And here was a technology that would alleviate that problem. If you're in that situation then, and then constant, uh, focus on the end user experience, whether that's the employee who's going to use that technology or drive the adoption of the technology or the customer and make sure the end-to-end -end process is fully uh, embedded out and fully uh, thought through. 
from training to execution, all of those need to be really focused on how the end user is going to use the technology. Um, and if you're able to do that, and you not all of those, even if you follow that to the T, things may not work out, but you will learn a whole lot about what are the aspects that worked and what didn't, and that allows you to pivot elsewhere. But really the core is to find a problem you're trying to solve versus something that's good to have. So get the basics right, then try to identify real problems that either your employees are having or your customers are experiencing, and then go about finding a technology that's truly solving that problem. Mo, this has been really, really intriguing. And I think it's really amazing that you're sharing this information. And I think I want to applaud you and the Macy's executive team for, for sharing this because without these early case studies and these early wins, this technology doesn't go anywhere. If you guys had just said, yeah, we're, we're seeing these great results, don't tell anybody, there would be no reason for other companies to invest in. And I think what we're going to see is a much, much larger pie be created from all of this rather than the scarcity mindset. So thank you for, for being one of those people that, that champions this technology. No, happy to. And I, I think there is a benefit for us in, in sharing that. One, obviously, it, it highlights some of the great work our teams are doing. Obviously, I'm the face of it, but it's a massive team behind me that's actually executing this on the ground every day. Uh, but more importantly, even our, our investments today are early investments. So we're typically, because the market's not come, it's still not mainstream yet, our investments are a lot higher than what it would usually be. So the hope in return is that as we evangelize the technology and continue to share and more players uh, enter the fray, as that demand increases, we'll be able to see some of the costs come down as well and as a result you know improved ROI for later players as well but more importantly some of our some of the early movers uh, such as us so uh, I'm excited to share it it's something that I'm deeply passionate about I, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in this technology and a lot of retailers uh, the ones that are truly serious in this space are actually you know making meaningful investments alongside us uh, and the hope is that more retailers come on. I think it will be good for the industry in general if more players join the fray. It only serves to uh, to decrease the cost for everyone because, for example, three years ago, VR developer wasn't really a thing. You know, you had to kind of go hunting for people that were making video games and bring them over to the dark side of enterprise. But as more and more people start to see this technology as it expands, uh, I think we're going to see, well, we've already seen a dramatic decrease in the cost to produce this type of, uh, of content. 3D objects or 3D assets for retail three years ago, building a shoe in 3D would be a thousand bucks to build one shoe. And now there's lots of people that will do it uh, around the world. And yeah. there's photogrammetry techniques and there's different ways of doing it. If you think about it, just on our mobile channels, we've got over a million and a half units or products. Right. So if you think about it, the scale that we require the content price to be to be able to scale 3D content is monumental. And so we're, we're, we're seeing it move in the right direction. Our, our costs are significantly lower than where we were two years ago, but we're still not at the rate where we need to be to scale. Uh, but the hope is that as, as more players come in and to your point is there's higher demand for designers and we'll be able to continue to see that moving in the right direction. I'm excited about where it's going, but we're, we're, there's a lot of work to be done to uh, get to scale. Well, it sounds like you and your team are leading the way. So thank you again. I'm going to ask you one last question, Mo. What problem in the world would you like to see solved using XR technologies? So I, I will be biased, right? Because I am... Still, I'm a retailer at heart, 
so it, it's the consumer experience. If we if we think about uh, where the consumer five years from now is going to engage with retailers, I think XR is the space where uh, that can bring that experience closer to life. If you see today why physical retail continues to be strong. You hear about store closures everywhere, but you're also hearing about a lot of new store openings. And part of it is because the physical experience going to a store, the online experience can't replicate that, right? And if you think about it 5, 10, 20 years from now, and if you want the online business to continue to grow and become uh, an equal share of global commerce revenue, uh, XR is, I think, an avenue to help solve that problem, to create a digital experience that mimics as closely to a physical experience. And until we get there, you'll continue to see physical retail thrive. Uh, so that's one I'm really curious. I mean, obviously I'm at the center of it for some parts of it, but I'm really, really interested in seeing what, how that comes to life and how not only does it solve consumer pain points, uh, but also enhances and augments that experience. Well. Thank you again for taking the time uh, to join us on this podcast. And I think uh, on behalf of everybody listening, this has been a fantastic opportunity to learn about Macy's and the technological advancements of a hundred-year-old retailer uh, remaining relevant in 2019 and beyond. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour -one, one call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.